see them in the backs of the chairs in front of you. Um, I want to draw your attention to just a couple. I'd I encourage you to look through all of them. But the first one is the Connect card. Um, this is just a great way for you to get to know a little bit about the church, who we are, um, through let, just if you would just give us your name and your email even, um, we'll send you some communications every now and then about the church and ways to get connected. Uh, but also, it's a great way to share with us anything that you might be, um, decisions you might be making or changes or steps forward you might be making in your walk with Christ. You can put that there down and uh, we would love to follow up with you on that. Secondly is a prayer card. And uh, this is just a great way for you to let us know um, any prayer requests you might have. No matter how big or small, we believe in the power of prayer. And we want to be able to pray alongside you throughout the week. So um, you can fill these out, turn those into the offering, and uh, someone will be praying or people will be praying for you this week. Or if you like, you can bring those to the back um, after the message. There'll be people with a tag that says, I pray. And they would love to just pray with you as well, so you can bring those back. And then finally, the smallest card I want to point, point out is the Next Steps card. This is our way to take a next step up into being more a part of the Mountain View Fellowship family. want to encourage you, whether you've been here for a couple months or you've been coming for a couple years, um, maybe you've been to ministry partner class, <coughs> um, Ministry partner class is a piece of this, but it, this is much more extensive. We've reworked it all. It's a four-week class um, that includes lunch every Sunday, um, and we encourage you to start to take to take the class. Uh, we actually the first one of the year starts today. You can if you haven't signed up, you can still stay. We'll we'll uh, figure out a way to accommodate. We would love to have you. Four weeks talking about one relationship with Christ. Two what it means to be a part of Mountain View Fellowship, three, God's purposes for you in this life and how he has uniquely created you to fulfill purposes here. And then finally, um, to um, really engage in what it means to be in ministry and community here at Mountain View Fellowship. So strongly encourage you to take that. There's more about it in your bulletins. You can read your bulletins for any more information. MOPS meets this week as well as there is a blood drive um, on the 10th, which is Tuesday. Really want to encourage you, if you can, come to the blood drive, give blood. That's just an easy, great way to give back, um, literally, of yourself. So, um, <laughs> so uh, with that, let's pray and we will jump in to this morning's message. God, thank you so much for time to just come together and worship you and, and grow in you and learn about you. God, we, just, we give you this time. We pray that your spirit would speak to us, open our hearts to what you have for us. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. All right. Well, if you've been with us for a while, you know that we are going through a campaign this year entitled Believe. And it's a three-part campaign. The first part was how to think like Jesus. And we talked about 10 basic things that we need to understand as Christ followers. Um, we need to understand that God is a personal God, 
that he loves you, wants to have a personal relationship with you, um, that the Bible is his word, that he works through the church, that, that um, we are saved through Christ's redeeming work on the cross from our sins. Um, we, we believe in eternity. So these are some just key things that we hold to as Christ followers. But this is a three-part campaign with three different series. So that was our first series. This week, we're jumping into the next part, the next series. <coughs> and for 10 weeks, we will be looking at 10 practices that all of us should incorporate into our life if we are to grow in Christ, to develop a relationship with him. So um, we're going to start with 10 weeks looking at, at these practices, and then in Easter, we'll get into our third part, and that is how to live like Jesus, to be more like him um, in, in just who we are. And, you know, someone, a kid once said, if, if Jesus lives in me, shouldn't he stick out? And, and that's the truth. If Jesus lives in us, we, he sticks out, and, and people should see that in us. But we have to put these practices into place if Christ is going to develop in us. It, it, it's not just a matter of believing the right things. It's a matter of living in such a way that honors him and glorifies him so that, so that we can grow to be more like him. So we're going to be looking at these 10 things starting this week. Now, I want to encourage you. Maybe you fell behind or maybe you're new. You're just kind of jumping in. Today is a great day to jump in. I would encourage you, if you haven't gotten the Believe book, um, they're out in the lobby and the stand there. Um, the Believe books are out there. Pick it up. You can read along with us for these 10 weeks. Gives you Bible verse after Bible verse with explanation on how these things work together. Um, so that way you're, you're hearing about it on Sunday mornings. You're reading about it on your own and in your personal time with the Lord. And then finally, we encourage you, be a part of a group. Join into a, a community group so that you can go through God's word together and really grow in these things. We are not meant to grow in God's word and in our relationship with God just one-on-one. We are meant to do it within the body of Christ. And that doesn't happen just on Sunday mornings um, because the reality is, is we can't really encourage one another, lift one another up, spur one another on just on the, in the three to five minutes that you interact with someone on a Sunday morning. So... Um, really want to encourage you, let's start the year out right by jumping into those things. So we start off this series with talking about, to me, the, the thing that really sets the stage for all of the other practices, and that is worship. Now, the reality is, is we don't like really the idea of thinking about having to, to practice things, right? We like to just be able to do things. Don't we? Um, yeah, you know, in fact, yeah, we're actually using the word practice, but really what these words are, what these things are called are disciplines. We're, gonna be, we're talking about spiritual disciplines, okay? And, and people hate the word discipline in our culture, don't we? We, we hate that word. We, we like words like easy, right? Or uh, 90 days same as cash, or, um, you know, benefits. Those are the words that we like. We don't like words that talk about us having to work. We live in a culture that is all about, oh, if it requires things of you or if it makes you feel bad in any way, you should just get rid of that in your life and move on to new things. But the reality is a relationship with Christ requires spiritual disciplines or practices. <clears throat> it requires you to put certain things in your life. But so does any relationship that you want to sustain. 
any sustainable relationship requires us putting certain practices into that relationship. See, when we are new in love with someone, right, we, we just, these things come easy, right, because you're excited about the relationship. It's all about it, what, how it makes you feel. By the way, that's not love. That's called lust. Um, but, but love is actually something that is a practice over years of time, of commitment to someone. And, and in order for a relationship to grow, it requires some practices that you put into that relationship. Otherwise, what happens? I deal with this in my premarital and marital counseling all the time. People get in a relationship, and, and then, you know, 10 years into the relationship, they wonder why it's stale, and they feel trapped, and they're frustrated, and they're bored in the relationship. It's because they haven't been putting any of these practices or disciplines into place. They've just thought, oh, it'll just happen on its own, that's called Disneyland, right? That it, it's just going to happen. No, it doesn't just happen. These are things that we work hard at if we're going to maintain and develop a relationship. I, I practice the discipline of take, going out on dates with my wife. We go out one-on-one because we have five kids. And for us to have any time alone, we have to just get away at times. So we, we practice a discipline of spending time just the two of us. And we've done that since my kids were born. I remember I used to pay babysitters in change because we were broke and I was a youth pastor and you know they were just gracious girls in our youth group that were sweet enough to do it. But um, you know we, we, um, we always maintain that. You practice the discipline of communicating love, right? You don't just, if you want to have a long relationship with someone, you don't go, hey, I told you I love you, I'll let you know if it changes, right? That's not how it works. You practice a communication of love. You practice the discipline of learning and, and enjoying to you, the other's interest, right? That's something, if you want to have a long relationship, you, you find interest in the things that they're interested about. You take, you take an, a, a, an assertive step in that. You, you take a, a step of practicing doing things for the person you love. You know, serving them in some small ways, whether it be gifts or or um, doing a chore for them, or taking care of an errand for them, or, or taking care of something that means something to them. You know, these are all things that we do if we're going to sustain a long relationship. Guess what? A relationship with the Lord requires the same thing, because like all relationships, we have to practice things if we're going to see that relationship grow. So you may be someone who Maybe you've been a Christ follower for quite a few years, and you're at a place where you're going, you know, I just, I'm just kind of going through the motions, if I'm honest. I, I, I come to church because it's just kind of what I do. There's people I like there. Music's not too bad. Every once in a while, Shane says something stupid and embarrasses himself. So it's, where, it's worth going. You know, I've, I like talking about fantasy football with someone there. You know, whatever it is, you just come. It's part of kind of what you do. Maybe that's where you're at. Or maybe you're someone who you're kind of new to a, as a Christ follower. And you, you had this passion two months ago or six months ago or a year ago. And you already can tell that passion starting to fade. I would strongly suggest that it's probably because you're not putting these disciplines or practices into place in your life. And that if you want to see those, that grow and if you want to see that love for Christ grow and you want to see that passion continue to grow... We need to put these disciplines in our life. So wherever you're at on that, I want to encourage you, hang on with us for these 10 weeks. 
jump into this. Don't just, don't just even, well, okay, I'm going to come. No, jump into to reading the Believe book and, and, and understanding what those scriptures, how they apply in these areas. Jump into a small group or community group and, and discuss and chew on these things with somebody. To get involved with this. Don't let this relationship wane. So, worship. What does it mean to worship? We're going to start by talking about this idea of worship. We have a lot of weird ideas about worship. Have you ever noticed that? People, everyone has a different view about worship. You talk about worship, if, you're, if you've been a believer for very long, a Christ follower <coughs> for very long, people have all sorts of ideas and thoughts about worship. It reminds me of this guy. Um, the pastor had to have a conversation with him and tell him, hey, you know, you can't be a part of the worship team any longer. And he said, really? Why, why not? He said, well, I've had like four or five people tell me that you just can't sing. And he's like, oh. He goes, well, I don't understand. That doesn't make sense. I've had at least 50 people tell me you can't preach, and you still do it. <laughs> <laughs> but we have, we have a lot of different ideas about worship. But the reality is we're called to worship but I think worship is something very different than a lot of how a lot of us see it. Psalm 99 verse 5 says, Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. He is holy. Psalm 95 verse 1 2 says, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. See, the Bible tells us that music is a part of worship. But what we have to understand is music isn't what worship is. The singing is a very, there's a, there's a lot of power in music and singing and, and, and it, it expresses our heart, but that's exactly what it is. When we come to sing and play worship and music, it, it, it's just an expression of the heart. That is not what worship is. Now we confuse that. A lot of times the church is guilty of that because we call that our time of worship. But, but that's just a piece of worship. Worship is what we do throughout the whole week. There's a lot of prep, people have a lot of preferences and styles about worship and they, they argue and they get upset about it even at times. But, but the reality is, is almost all of those, they're just, they're just preferences. They're not biblical directives. Almost everything that people disagree on about worship is, is, has nothing to do with what the Bible says, has almost everything to do with our own preference, our own style. So, this morning, I want you to understand, I don't care whether you like to sing out loud. We, man, we had a guy in my last church, he, um, he sang so loud, and he sang so off-key. And like, so it got where people, you'd watch, because only new people would sit right in front of him, right? <laughs> because everyone learned. But it was awesome that he loved to sing out loud. He loved to just praise God with his voice. He didn't care, because he wasn't singing for anyone else. He was singing for himself. But maybe you're someone who, you know, you, you don't really like to sing out loud. Maybe, maybe you like to be very expressive. You like to raise your hands, and maybe you don't like to do that. Or you like to stand, or you like to sit. What I want you to understand is... That is not the important aspect. That those are just ways that we express who we are. We express our heart. I, I uh, oftentimes have heard people come out of a worship service and go, oh, that service was just so spirit-filled. You know what I usually find they mean? I really like the songs that we sang today, and there was a lot of people. That's usually what that means. It usually means those songs specifically that you chose today were kind of my, those songs hit me, were songs that maybe last week you chose, eh, 
you know, I don't really care about those songs. And there were a lot of people, so it felt good. But you see, a lot of times when we're focused there, that's, we're focused on us. We're focused on how it made us feel. Worship really isn't about how it makes us feel. Worship is about God. So let's look at that. What does it really mean to worship? What does it really mean to worship? One, worship is having the right heart. Worship is having the right heart. <clears throat> See, we don't worship because it helps us feel a certain way. We worship because we worship God for who he is and for what he has done for us. That's what worship is about. So it's about having the right heart. You know, in Old Testament, they came and they made sacrifices. That was just one of the things that they did um, before God. They also sing songs of praise. They gave offerings. They prayed. They fasted. But none of these things were considered acceptable if they weren't done with the right heart. Without the right heart, they were just superficial acts. Turn your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 1. We're going to spend most of our time here in Isaiah. Isaiah is two-thirds of the way through your Old Testament. So when you get to Psalms, just keep going, Psalms and Proverbs, and then not much further, you'll see Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 11 to 17. It says, this is the Lord talking to the Israelites, and he says, the multitude of your sacrifices, remember we talked and said that was one of the main ways they worshiped, the multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fattened animals. I, ha- I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. See, what he's saying is these sacrifices you're bringing, if you're bringing them just thinking that that's what gives me pleasure, you're missing the point. These are meant to be something you offer to me as the, the very first of your life, the very first of your fruit, the very first of your provision in life that you're giving me the very, very best of that. Remember, this was an agricultural society. They, re, they relied on the, the, these animals. They, they relied on, on them for meat and for, for, for the produce, for everything. <clears throat> and he says, when you come and you bring these sacrifices to me, it's supposed to be a, a, a measure of your heart, showing that you're giving me your very best. It's not just a matter of you can say, oh, look, I'm giving God, God, giving God as much as I can to make him happy. Whoa, Almost killed the iPad. That would have been really bad. Um, you don't want to hear me ramble. That would be, you think it's bad now. Um, <laughs> he says, I, I take no pleasure in that. I take no pleasure in that. He, he says, verse 12, he says, when you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moon, Sabbaths, and convocations, I cannot bear your evil assemblies. Your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. See, the Jews would come together and worship in big festivals, and they would offer their sacrifices, and they would have these big festivals, and it'd be a time of celebration and worship. And he's saying, look, when you come together and you're just doing this a lot, it's really just, it's like a trampling of my courts. You're, you're just, you know, just destroying my courts versus you coming with the right heart and the right purpose. He goes on, verse 15. says, when you, sp- no, I'll take it, Mickey. Thank you, Nikki. That was nice of you. Um, 
says, when you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Even if you offer many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. He's saying, he says, if you want, you want me to listen, if you want me to be honored in this, if you want me to be glorified in this, if you, if you want to lift me up, if you want me to find joy in your praises, then it has to be accompanied with the right heart. It has to be accompanied with the right mindset and attitude. It needs to be accompanied by a life of sacrifice, not just offering sacrifices, but a life of sacrifices. And that leads to our next point. Worship is having the right lifestyle. What do I mean by the right lifestyle? I don't mean by driving the right car and dressing the right way and being married or not being married and having 2.5 kids or work, having the right job. I don't mean any of that. It means having the right, living your life in the right style. What's the right style? The right style is a servanthood to God. Serving him. See, he says, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat at the best of the, from the land. If you resist and rebel, you'll be devoured by the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. If you're willing and obedient. See, God wants us to be obedient to him. He wants us to be his servants. That's how we worship him. Now, when we come and we sing or we do whatever it is that we do to express, that's just an expression of how we are supposed to be living our lives. If the words are just words that we sing and the words are just words that kind of make us feel good and give us emotion, then we're serving the wrong purpose. In fact, actually what we're doing is extremely detestable to God because we're serving our emotion. We're just coming to make ourselves feel better, which is no worship of him at all. That's self-worship. So when we come to sing, when we come to praise and whatever that looks like, we're coming to give him honor. Even in teaching. You know, listening to teaching is part of worship. And if you're only coming hoping that, man, you're going to get some nugget that's just going to make you feel better every week, and if that's your main purpose, God says that's, that's, not, that's not the purpose. You're missing the point. See, we're, we're supposed to come to hear teaching that extols us and, and encourages us to, 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 I'm sorry, exhorts us and encourages us to Become more like him. And that means sometimes it doesn't feel good. Sometimes it challenges us and it hurts and it frustrates and we even get angry. You ever get mad when God points out something that you don't want to do? I get mad. That's my, my natural reaction when I feel like I'm justified in something and I feel like I'm doing the right thing and God points it out, I'm mad. And whoever God used to tell me that, I'm mad at them for a little bit. Right? So I'm used to and I accept the fact that some of you just walk out of here mad at me every week. That's okay. Keep coming back, and that's fine. Right? We, that, we, but that, that's the point. We're not called to always feel better. It's not about our feelings. That's self-worship. <clears throat> See, Jesus says, See, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. See, worship is a lifestyle of putting him first rather than all the other things that distract us in this life. And unfortunately, some of the things that distract us are noble things. 
I think I've, I've said this before. I know for me, one of the things that I worship at times is my family. I love my family. I love spending time with my family. I love giving things to my family. I love enjoying my family. Um, I will put, take, I, on my own efforts, I will try to just keep, protect our family time and not do things with other people because I just enjoy being together as a family. But that's not always what God calls me to do. My family's a good thing, but it's not the best thing, right? The, the best thing, the one thing, that, the one that needs to be on the throne of my life is God. And if I put him first, then that other stuff will take care of itself with my family. But unfortunately, I oftentimes want to put them first. Romans 12, 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. See, the lifestyle that God finds pleasing, the lifestyle that is a spiritual act of worship is offering everything to him, putting it all in front of him and saying, God, it's yours. This is what I would like. This is what I would do if it was up to me, God. But I get that it's not up to me. It's yours. And I'm turning it over to you. I'm giving it to you. Living in a way daily that honors him making choices because that is what he would choose, caring about what he cares about. Really, honestly, it's a matter of having the right perspective. It's a matter of having the right perspective. That's our final point. Worship is having the right perspective. See, when Paul wrote this, Romans, when he said offering, offering our bodies as living sacrifices, they weren't thinking he means... Oh, well, he means just live kind of sacrificially. Like if there's only one piece of cake left, you give it to the other person. That's not what people were thinking. This was a vivid word picture that he was using. Remember, once again, this was a culture that whatever they worshipped, they, they, they offered sacrifices. They understood what it meant to put something on an altar and give it to God. And they understood he was telling them to live on that altar to keep their life on that altar before God on that throne at all times. See, that's the perspective that we're supposed to have. Our perspective is supposed to be from that altar at all times. They knew what that meant. See, Isaiah goes on in chapter 6. We looked at Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 6 Isaiah has a vision, and he sees the Lord. It says this, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. See, when Paul said that we are to be living sacrifices, kind of picture that he had this in mind. That, that God is on the throne. That we see him on the throne. And we see ourselves. <laughs> I'm trying to get hold of me. We see ourselves on the altar in front of him. That's the right perspective. That's the perspective of worship. That's what it means to worship him. That is the only way we will ever live at peace with God. 
Because you see, he is the king of kings. And as long as we try to sit on the throne, we will always be at odds with him. When we submit ourselves to him and we offer ourselves to him and we say, you're on the throne and I'm here before you, then our life aligns with him. Now here's the awesome thing. He is a merciful, gracious God. He is holy, but he is merciful and he's gracious and he loves you as his children. And he wants to give you good and perfect gifts. He wants to bless us. But it only happens when we have the right understanding of where we fall in that place. I uh, am with, uh, in an interesting, trying to teach Bella something right now. Bella's our nine-year-old. And she um, <coughs> is learning um, Bella's adopted, so she's having to learn the process of our family versus what she's used to. And she's learning in our family, if you walk into a store and you ask for anything ever, you will never get a thing. The moment you ask for anything, that for sure you will not get something. But if three or four times we go someplace and you never say, you never ask for anything, then I'll bless you and, and, and I want to give you, I want to give you things. I just don't want to give you what you want with your selfish little, I want something all the time. So, so she's had to learn that. The first year was extremely hard for her. She basically got nothing ever. <laughs> right? She, because she, she had to learn that. But now, over time, she's learned the place. <laughs> right? She's learned, you're here, I'm here. I want to bless you. Believe me, I want to give you things. But I'm not going to do it every time you start to just be whiny or ask for things or do, because that's just not the way it works. But you know, it's so funny because I think about that and I think, I'm Bella. When it comes to God, that's me, right? God, 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 hey, I, God, I want this. Hey, God, God, I need this. Hey, God, can I have this? God's going, hey, you got to remember where you are in this picture. You're here. I'm here. You just, you just plan, count on serving me. You just count on, on blessing me, and I'll make sure you're blessed beyond anything you're ever going to imagine. Because see, those little things you want that, you know, I look at, that's the other thing, I look at Bella. You know, you know where do they put it, kids at eye level, right? Junk, right? Stuff that it's either going to break anyway, or it's, it doesn't last them, right? But that's all she sees, so that's what she wants. But she's learning, well, actually, Dad blesses me with pretty cool stuff if, if I wait, if I don't ask. He'll, he'll surprise me even sometimes with something that is, I wouldn't even thought that would be cool to have because I, my nine-year-old mind doesn't think that way. But man, now that I have it, that is really neat. But see, that's so much the way we are with God. God wants us to just put ourselves in front of him and trust that he's going to take care of it. That's what it means to worship. So this year, I want to encourage you as we move forward, have the right perspective. Have the right heart. And live a life that is obedient to God. And when we do that, that is worship. And when we come together and we sing, if we're doing that, if we're doing those three th other things, when we come together and we sing, 
Some of us will, will praise him loudly and we'll, we'll raise our hands. Some will be more reverent before him. But the worship will be pleasing for the one that matters. It'll be pleasing for him. Let's be a, a people of worship, keeping God where he deserves to be and remembering where we belong. I want to encourage you, don't try to do it on your own. Don't try to do it on your own. Do it within the context of the body of Christ. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word and your truth. God, I ask that you just um, make us a people of worship. Make us a people that desire to constantly keep in mind where we belong and where you belong so that we might live a life that is pleasing to you and we might have a heart that honors you. Praise things in your name. Amen.